Good morning. Scripture day is coming from Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. Uh, It's a short passage today, so stick with me. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If you are puzzled right now, as to why we read from Galatians and not from Thessalonians, which is the chapter we are in, um, then you can share with me the joy of life together. Um, Life happens, right? It happens at our houses. It also happens in church. And so sometimes life happens that when you are four and a half hours away in Charlotte, North Carolina, and your lead pastor calls you and go like, we are sick. And you go like, okay. <laughs> and you then go like, hey, I have four and a half hours that Karin can drive the car and I can prep a message. How about that? And so that's why we are reading from Galatians this morning and not from Thessalonians. Please continue to pray for Matthew. Um, we like as a church for the visitors, we like to pray Expositionally, it means we take a book of the Bible and we pray through that book. We, d- we don't jump all over the place. We preach the whole thing. And that's how we, we love to preach. Last week, we started a new series on 1 Thessalonians. This week, we don't continue it. <laughs> and so, um, I'll say what Mike said. Hang in there. This may be short or long. We don't really know. We'll see where the Lord takes us. But it is going to be fun. Pray with me that the Lord will help me. Lord, we thank you that you are a gracious God. We thank you that we can come to your word and we can know that your word is infallible. It is the truth. It is absolute truth. This is the word that you breathed out. And so when we approach it this morning, we come asking that you will help us to understand the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, that you will, through your spirit, help me as I preach a passage that I've spent less time preparing than I usually would, that you will give me the words. I pray that you will give all of us ears to hear the truth of your word. When we read your word, when we listen to your word, help us, Lord, to be impacted by it, to be changed by it, and to become more like you. Thank you for this opportunity to be together and study your word. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Last week... um, we were in Kentucky at the 
Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Anybody been there? Yeah, that's good. So if you can go, go. It, it's a special time to see what they did there. It is really impacting. One of the things that was most impacting to me <clears throat> was the first day at, we spent the first day at the Creation Museum. And one of the things we did at the Creation Museum was look at a short 4D video about creation. So 3D, you know, you put the glasses on. 4D, you also put the glasses on, but then you have effects. There are strobe lights, and your seat can shake, and there's puffs of air in your face. It's really cool. But when that video started, the first few words, and this was early on the first day, was so impactful to me because we had our glasses on, and the narrator had a Bob Shanks-like voice, a voice of command, and he said these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And at that moment, church, I realized anew the amazing God that we serve. Because if we listen to those words, those words says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it tells us that before the beginning, this boggles our minds if we think of it too long, right? Before the beginning, God was already there. And at some point, he decided that this is now going to the be the beginning and he is going to create heaven and earth. Now, if this afternoon, when you take your nap, you try and think of that a lot. What was before the beginning? And you'll see that you get kind of dizzy because we think in time and we cannot think before the beginning. But realize this, there was a time before the beginning that God existed because he has always been and he will always be. And it gives us a sense of his awe, the awe that we should have for him. It gives us a sense of his majesty and his greatness and his almightiness and so when we look at this passage this morning the couple of verses that Mike read for us we start in verse 4 and it says but when the fullness of time had come and so this is a second time where we see again God has made a decision so when we look at the Old Testament, we see that the Messiah was promised over and over. And we can go through the Old Testament and we can find many passages where the prophets said at different places that the Messiah will come one day. And all that the people in the Old Testament had was to hope and wait for the revelation of that Messiah. And they believed in him, even though they did not know who he was. 
But then, when the fullness of time had come, when God decided now is the time, he decided this is the time that I am going to reveal that I am going to send the Messiah that I have promised all through the Old Testament. And in a similar way that God before time had begun, one day decided now is the time and I'm going to create heaven and earth. There came a time when God said, I am now going to reveal, I'm going to send, I'm going to reveal the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament over and over. It's a good thing for us to think of God in that way, that there are specific timings about God. It's good for us to think about it because two reasons that I'll say. One is some people sometimes ask, so why did God wait so long before he sent the Messiah? And we don't know. All we can say is because he is God and at the fullness of time, he did send the Messiah. That is his prerogative. He is God. He is in control. It's also good to think that God has, has purpose in timing for you and me every day, right? So that when we struggle and we pray, Lord, will you bring relief? Will you bring relief? And it does not happen. Then we can pray, Lord, will you please make the fullness of time come on my problem? And we can trust him that if it is longer than we want it to be, we can trust that he is a God who has a plan, not only with creation and sending his son, but he has a plan for your life. And the Bible is clear that if you're a Christian, God's plan for your life is good. And so if it takes longer than you think, sometimes it feels so much longer, right? And we hold on and we hold on and we hold on. And then one day God allows in his timing. And so I want to encourage you, church, that when we see this passage, when the fullness of time had come, just remember that there is a time in your life when God will answer the prayers that you want him to, pray, to, to answer. But he will do it in his timing, and he will do it in the way that is good for you, which is not always easy for us. So when the fullness of time had come, these beautiful words, God set, sent forth his son. God sent forth his son. Jesus was not just a person who was born and we often hear that from critics, that he was just somebody who lived, and maybe he was very bright, maybe he was a prophet, maybe he was uh, just somebody who said all kinds of right things, and he became very prominent. This passage helps us when we see, at the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. What this tells us is that God planned redemption. So God did not just haphazardously one day decide, oh, this is the time for Christ to go, but God planned 
this, uh, our salvation. And he planned by saying one day the fullness of time had come and he sent forth his son. Now, the, you all know the, the best known verse in the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So there came a time when God sent his son and he gave him to us. It's important for us to see, one, that God sent him. It's important also for us to know that it is God's son. One of the first prophecies about Christ in the Bible is in Genesis 3 and verse 15 where God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first prophecy where a savior, a Messiah is promised to us. And when we see that God sent his son, we have to realize that Jesus who had to come, Jesus who came for us in our stead had to be fully God. He also had to be fully man. And um, there's a quote from... Eric Raymond, he he's, is with the Gospel Coalition, and he answered the question, why did Jesus have to be man? And he said, he must be a true man because the justice God requires, sorry, because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sinned should pay for sin. So when Jesus came, we see that it is the Son of God who came down, which makes him fully God. And we see in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, talks about Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when we see God sent forth his son, we see one that Jesus came and he was deity. He did not leave his godness behind when he left heaven. He came fully God down to earth he was also then, if we continue to the next uh, um, verse here, he was born of woman so that we could see that he is fully man. So we see the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man, which are two things necessary for him to be our substitute, to be our redeemer.
It continues to say that Jesus was, he was born of woman, makes him human, which is necessary for him to be human so that he can be a human sacrifice for us who are human. It also says that he was born under the law. So in Romans 5, we read, For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It was not only necessary for Jesus to come down to earth fully God, to be born of woman, to be fully man. It was also necessary for Jesus to be born under the law so that he could fully follow the law. Remember that no human can fully follow the law. You and I cannot follow the law. Jesus was born under the law so that he could fully be obedient to the law in order that he could again be our substitute before God the Father. And therefore it says that he redeems, he was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Now, if, <clears throat> excuse me, if we look back one chapter, we see several things that um, Paul says to the Galatians about the law. Because you may, we may wonder, so could the people not just obey the law and be righteous? Why did Jesus have to obey the law for them and be righteous? And so if we look at the third chapter of Galatians, and I'm just going to go to several verses and tell you what this says. Uh, Galatians 3 in verse 10, it says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. And that's because we cannot obey the law. And so if we think that we can be redeemed by following the law, we are accursed. Verse 12 says, But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So the Bible says that if we follow the law, we have to follow it fully, which is impossible. Verse 21 says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. So what this says is that the law cannot give us life. Verse 22 says, The scripture imprisoned everything under sin. It's interesting that, the, that the, we think of the law as... If we can follow the law, we can be perfect before God and he will accept us. But this passage says that scripture imprisoned everything under law because we could not follow the law in any way. It also says in verse 23, Now before faith came, 
we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So what we see, just by looking at a couple of scriptures, a couple of verses in that chapter, we see that one, the law brought bondage over people. The, bo- the, the law kept people imprisoned because nobody could satisfy the law and therefore be righteous before God. And so when we look at Romans 3 and verse 23, it says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. It means that none of us can stand as righteous before God and none of us can appease God by following his law. So it paints a kind of a grim picture that you and I, left to ourselves, cannot please God. We cannot one day stand before his righteous throne of judgment and say, One, I was either good enough or I followed everything in your law because the word says we cannot do any of that. And so we have to ask the question, so why the law then? Why was the law there? And verse 24 of Galatians 3 says this, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So now we see we cannot follow the law and we cannot be good enough, but the law was there as a guardian until Christ came. And when we go to chapter 4 and verse 4, we saw that it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. So this is the good news that says you cannot fulfill the law of God but when the fullness of time had come I sent my son who who absolutely obeyed in everything he did ever and therefore your righteousness is not by obeying the law but it is through faith in Christ Jesus So this is the basic um, gospel of Jesus Christ. When you and I were born, we were born in sin. We were born in this world where the sin from Adam was imputed or laid over or put onto us. We were also born in a way that we could never take the law and follow it and say, now I, I did so well that I can be acceptable. But at the right time, Christ came and he came ba- down from heaven and he laid down his life for you and for me. He lived the perfect, obedient life. And he went to the cross, sinless, but not resisting. He went to the cross not resisting because he came for that purpose so that he could be the perfect sacrifice in your place and in my place. And so when we believe in Jesus Christ that he was sent when the fullness of time had come, 
then we get our righteousness from his righteousness, which he earned on the cross. Now, this morning, each one of us have to look at our own lives, and we have to ask, you have to ask your, that question honestly about yourself. Do you think that you are okay before God because you're a good person? I, I've never murdered anybody. I try and not steal too much. I'm somewhat obedient to my parents. You name it. We, we can never make a full, complete list of, of I do this perfectly and I do this perfectly right. Or do you say that I can stand before God and not be destroyed only because I believe in Jesus Christ and his full, complete work in my behalf on the cross? See, if we believe this, what Galatians 4 says, if we believe that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, God, Jesus God, came down, became man, Jesus. Now he's God, man, Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He stood on our, in our place. And when his righteousness was laid upon us, that became our righteousness. If we believe that and we turn away from sin and we turn to following God, that is the only way that we will ever be right with God. And if we, if we cannot say that, if you cannot say in your heart that I have turned away from sin, I'm following God, my only hope is placed in what he has done for me on the cross. Because God sent him, I have hope. If you cannot say that, then I want to encourage you that you need to read this scripture. You need to talk with Christian friends and ask them, what is this faith in Jesus? What do I have to have faith for in Jesus? Because there needs to be a time in your life where you say, I don't place any hope in me and my goodness for standing before God one day. I place all my hope on what Christ has done. And what happens then is at the, the second half of verse 5 of our, of our passage this morning, it says, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, adoption is one, of the, is one of the beautiful doctrines of God's word. It is just like in a family where parents adopt a child and that child becomes part of their family. In the same way, for you and for me, when we believe that God sent his son when the fullness of time had come, he was born under the law by women, he died for me, then what God does is he adopts us into his family and he makes us some of his, his own children. So it says... So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's probably the most endearing word that we will ever call God is Abba, Father. And we can call him that only because of what he just told us. 
only because he sent his son for us. Now, if you have children, you know, you, you just know how hard that must be, how, how impossible that must be to say, I will, I will take my child and I will, I will lay someone else's wrongdoing on my child so that that person may be forgiven. It's not a human character trait. It's a godly trait. And God did that for you and me so that when we believe in what Jesus did, we can say, Abba, Father, because he adopts us into his family. So you are no longer a slave, Christian, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir through God. In Genesis 22, when Abram went to sacrifice his son, God stopped him and he said to him, and in your offspring shall all the nations be blessed. When God sent forth his son, at the appropriate time, he fulfilled this promise. In his offspring, which is Jesus Christ, will all the nations be blessed. And so when we read here in Galatians that we are an heir through God, it means that the blessings of Jesus Christ has come to us. And so, unfortunately, the blessings of God is so often made something horrible. It's financial, and it is nice cars and big houses. But the blessing that comes from God, church, is His Son, Jesus Christ. And the fact that when we believe in Him, He will make us co-heirs, co-heirs with Him of the blessings of the Father. So when you and I read a passage like this, may we be filled with awe and wonder that God who made us and then we rebelled against him would make a plan of salvation and in eons back he decided, I am willing to take my perfect son, I'm willing to send him to earth let him be beaten, let him be spat on, let him, them crush the thorns on his head, let them ridicule him so that all of them could become my children, that they can call me Abba, Father. What joy, church, that we can do that. So I pray that God will... Help us as we read this passage and as we read so many other passages of his gospel that he will give us, if you're a Christian, a new joy and appreciation for what God has done for us. And if you are not a Christian, that God will stir in you a deep desire to know him better. And if you have that desire, know that it is only God who will stir that desire in you. And if you have even an inkling of a desire to know who God is, 
or to know what it means to stand before him blameless or to have faith in him. I want to ask you to talk with me, talk with somebody else here this morning because there is joy awaiting for you when you become a son of God, a co-heir with Christ of the blessings of God. May God do that for us this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again that we can approach your word. And even though it is a small section of scripture, it is such a profound portion of scripture that we could look at this morning. Thank you, Lord, that your word never returns to you void, but that it accomplishes what you have sent it for. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that the words that I spoke, I pray that those words, that your spirit will use those words to accomplish what you want those words to accomplish. I pray, Lord, that you will give each one of us a joyful heart, joyful that you would send your only son so that we can be free, so that we can be heirs with Christ so that we can call you Abba Father. I pray, Lord, that you will bring conviction to anyone who is here or who listens to this and who is rebelling against you, that your spirit will convict them of their sin, that they will be willing to bow down, that they will know that they cannot be good enough but that they can have faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and thereby become a son of God. Will you help us, Lord, to live lives that is worthy of the sacrifice that, gave, that you gave for us in your son? And will you help us now as we sing more that we can worship you in spirit and in truth? Amen. Amen.